Hello, friends, and welcome back to the podcast. I am so excited that you're here. If you're listening on a Monday or a Tuesday or a Wednesday or wherever you're listening, thank you so much for listening today. It has been a very crazy week, and as you could tell, I also did not have my intro music. Not going to have fancy transitions again this week because my laptop still is not done. I think it's going to be done tomorrow, but as you guys have probably seen, Texas has been thrown in the ringer for a really long time. The past week has been insane. Essentially, if you don't know, I'm sure you do know because I feel like it's been everywhere. A very rough snowstorm hit Texas, a storm that typically if it hit the north wouldn't be a big deal because houses are equipped for it. People are prepared for these kinds of things. But here in Texas, it's just a different story. People don't treat the roads like they do up north. It's just not really made to withstand this kind of storm. And so it hit Texas on Monday, I believe, of last week, and essentially Encore, which is the like power company or whatever, did these routine power outages that actually ended up just cutting off power for a lot of people, and a lot of people's pipes burst in their homes. A lot of people weren't able to use their water, like my family's home in Keller. They had a boil water notice that they still have today. They've had it for half a week now. You have to boil your water if you shower, drink wash your hands, anything. And it has just been crazy. I went to go get groceries Saturday after everything because grocery stores just weren't up and running. And like all the frozen section is cleared out because everyone had to throw out everything in their fridge because their power was out. So it has been crazy. If you have been dealing with this here in Texas, I am so sorry. I know everyone had it so different. For us, we lost power for a good couple of days. It was off and on for a day and then it basically went off for a day and then it came back the next day. So it really wasn't the worst thing. Our apartment got pretty cold, but we didn't have any pipes flooding or anything. Our neighbors actually had a pipe burst, but they were able to get it under control. And so it's just been absolutely insane. I've had a lot of people reach out to me asking about ways to help people because there are a lot of people who still are in need, whose houses got destroyed. A lot of people didn't have food. It was just a mess. So I'm going to leave a lot of resources in the description or the show notes of this video or this podcast. Sorry, my brain is insane right now. It's in a lot of different places. And also on my video I'm posting on Tuesday, I'll also have resources there because I've had a lot of people reach out to me. It's just weird because I think the media is portraying it like everyone is in the same situation. And it's just sad that it's not the case. There's people who are hit really hard and people who were not hit hard at all. And it's just it's just crazy. So I'm going to leave those resources if you feel inclined to help. A lot of people were really hard hit. It was just so sad to see and you felt so helpless because you just didn't know when you're going to lose power. But luckily we were okay. And luckily we had a very big disruption to make sure that we were distracted from everything because we got our puppy that I told you guys about last week. We got Cash, our golden retriever puppy on Saturday of last week. So we've officially hit a week with him and he has been the biggest joy Oh my gosh, I am obsessed with this dog. I never knew I could be so obsessed with the dog. He is so smart. He's so sweet. He's definitely like a baby where you have to really make sure they have a routine. You really have to be training them. You really have to just be watching. We're trying to house train him. He's doing so well, but he's a lot of work. And so he's been the focal point of our week. And it's funny because Aiden and I have been trading off. We both work from home, luckily, so it's pretty easy to take care of him. But we also don't want him to get like separation anxiety. So we're trying to also leave him on his own for an hour at a time so he gets used to his crate and everything. 
But it's been funny because I wake up in the morning and I basically take care of him in the morning. And then at night he takes him out because I don't like taking him out at night. And so we've just been trading off. It's literally like a baby where you trade off back and forth. But you guys probably know if you follow me on Instagram or on YouTube, I've been posting nonstop about him because I know he's going to grow up so fast and I want to have all these memories. And I just can't say how much joy it has brought me to have this dog we are so obsessed with him and uh, we were just doing training with him he knows sit he knows speak right now but now sometimes he just starts barking at me because he thinks speak gets some treats stay he kind of knows but that's the hardest one right now he's not getting that one completely down and then come and then we're working on quiet now that he is speaking a lot so he is just so smart though i love him so much it's so funny because i sometimes get stressed whenever we're playing and everything. So I'm like, oh, I need to be working on work. I need to be doing this. But the minute he falls asleep, I'm like, wake up again. I really want to see you. And he's just been such a joy. So that has been my life for the past couple of weeks or the last week or so. I'm hoping my laptop does get done tomorrow so I can really go back to finishing my taxes, kind of getting back into the groove of work. I just wanted to spend this first week really with him. I know that's a week I'm never going to get back having just such a fresh new puppy in your home. It's such a special time. It honestly hasn't been as hard as I thought though. I thought he would be waking up all hours of the night keeping us up, but he sleeps completely through the night. Literally the day we got him, he slept through the night. He wakes up at seven. We try to put him asleep at around like 10 30 or 11. And he's just like a little angel dog. I love him so much, but he has been the biggest joy and he's the thing that I'm really grateful for. I was just playing with him. That's why I'm kind of out of breath right now. I feel like sometimes I come on this podcast and it's just so hard for me to get my breaths in. But all that to say, I haven't even told you guys what this episode is. I'm doing another advice episode. I love these and I always get the best feedback on these. A lot of people like hearing other people's questions because it makes them realize that there are people in my audience who are all kind of dealing with similar things. And obviously, if you guys listen to this podcast, you're probably drawn to the topics I talk about. And so you kind of like hearing other people's questions about those topics. But every time I do these episodes, I always just ask for some advice questions on my Instagram. I just asked for you guys to email me at butwhatsnextpod at gmail.com. So I'm going to answer the questions that I got. I think there are quite a few. I haven't read any of them, so this is just going to be very fresh. I'm just going to read them for you guys. But I do always want to preface these by saying I don't know everything. I don't claim to know everything. I say the wrong thing sometimes. This is just what I think. But at the end of the day, consult people you actually know with your advice. I think that you should be accountable to the people that are in your daily life that you know, your family, your friends. I'm, at the end of the day, a random person on the internet. And while I try to be as transparent and as authentic as possible on here, you still only hear bits and pieces. And so I just want you to know that I am not perfect. And I was watching my friend Kyan's videos today, and she was talking about how she always wants to be honest about her mistakes and not looking perfect because at the end of the day, any influencer that you follow like is so fallible. They do not know everything. They're not perfect. And sometimes I feel like, especially now, influencers are treated like celebrities. I'm not really talking about me, but other people and people just really look up to them. And while it's a good thing, it's still good to know that we're not perfect. And 
we don't know everything and I'm not claiming to know everything. And I just never, we also sat through a church sermon this morning and he was talking about the Pharisees and the church and acting like there are all these different rules that you have to follow and assuming that they are better than people because of these rules. And it just really convicted me to tell you guys that I believe in Christ and putting my trust in him. He has cleansed me. I'm actually recording this. I think it's the start of Lent too. And so these are just good things to remember that rules and thinking that you're right, thinking that you're better than people does not save you. And oftentimes that just makes you really, really sad at life. I find that the times when I feel high and mighty above people, that's when I'm actually the saddest. So that is just all I wanted to say. Wanted to say that. Thank you guys so much for asking these questions. I'm just going to go ahead and roll right into them. Okay. So this first one says, hi, Michelle. I just wanted to say, I absolutely love your content and hearing your perspective in your podcast. I have watched your videos for several years now, and I've always felt like you were the older sister. I never had. So thank you for your positive influence in the world. You're incredibly level-headed and inspire me to trust in God and become my best self. Literally warms my heart. Thank you. She says, the question I have is regarding relationships. After being apart for a little over two years for church service missions and only staying in touch over email and letters, my best friend from high school and I are starting to realize we have feelings for each other. I love having him in my life and honestly can't picture not having him around, but I'm worried dating him might risk losing his friendship if things don't work out. I struggle to know if the risks are worth it. We attend universities two hours apart from each other, and I don't know if I can be who he needs from a long distance. What's your advice for moving forward and how to take or how to trust in taking risks when dating? Okay, this is a good question, and I get this question a lot. I feel like this is something that a lot of people fear kind of ruining a friendship because you're trying to date. And while I don't have experience with this, I've never like dated my best friend or anything. I A, just think those are the best relationships when you've been friends for a while and then you start dating. You just know each other so well. And it's really good when the person you're dating is also your best friend. And two, I would just say, I honestly feel like it's worth it to go for it. I just always think, you know, what do you have to lose? And If it doesn't work out, that doesn't necessarily mean that your friendship is going to be ruined for the rest of your life. I just always think life is so short and way too short not to take that risk. And honestly, two hours apart really is not bad at all. Like you can see him on the weekends very easily. You can go back and forth and hang out. And I definitely think that's very doable. And sometimes that fear that you have of holding you back is really just holding you back from doing something that can be so good. And I just think you should go for it, especially if you have a pretty clear inclination that it's mutual. I think a lot of times people have trouble when they are the ones that are catching feelings, but they're not sure if the other person is. And then you don't want to ruin it by confessing it. And maybe that person doesn't share the same thoughts as you in that regard. But this sounds like you're both kind of on the same path. So I would definitely recommend going for it. Like this is your your message to do so, I say, what do you have to lose? I know that's a simple answer and it's much more complicated than that, but I say you should go for it. This one says, hey, Michelle, I saw your slide on the Instagram to ask advice questions and I have one to ask in one short story on career advice. So this one says, my short story is... I just saw something at the bottom. My short story is on taking every piece of advice from every manager just because they are your manager. I was working at an internship and was excited for every project that I would work heads down and finish it. My manager told me one day, don't can your green beans too quick, a reference that if you work quickly all the time, you will always set the standard higher and higher for yourself, so give yourself a bit of slack. 
As grateful as I always am for advice from managers over the last few years, I've learned that while you shouldn't can your green beans too quick, don't let that stop you from showing you're motivated for projects by being engaged on each and every project. While I've made this advice work for my personality and work style, my question to you would be, how would you interpret or change this advice? And she says, P.S., give Cash a big hug for me. (laughs) So sweet. He's gotten a lot of hugs. Don't worry. I would say... I think it's hard, especially when you're starting out your career, especially if you're in an internship, there's so much pressure to show your boss or your manager that you are really heads down on a project or you are really ambitious. You're always looking for things that you can work on. You want to improve your manager's life by making their life easier by just kind of going out of your way to do things because you are starting out and you are still proving yourself. And so I would actually err on the side of doing that too much, not to a point where you're totally overworking yourself and you're totally going above and beyond to the point where you're just losing yourself. But think that for the most part, those are the people who really do stand out. I just look at Aiden, his job, he's always working on new spreadsheets. His job is a lot of Excel and a lot of just like analyzing leases and stuff. And he is always looking to make these new spreadsheets to make everyone else's lives easier and to improve their lives and just to make everything simpler and flow easier. And he doesn't have to do that. That's not in his job description. He's not being told to do that. And it's work that he's doing beyond what he's told. But when you are doing those performance reviews and when your boss is looking to promote someone, those small things that might not seem like a big deal, I do think are what makes them want to promote you and wants to make you put in a position where you're just always being challenged and performing well. So yeah, don't can your green beans too quickly, but maybe can them a little bit quicker than what you assume you should be doing. I think it keeps you on your toes and I do think that it's good. Okay, this one says, I firstly just wanted to let you know how much I admire you and how happy it makes me that you speak about your faith and share about it on your podcast. Your podcast is one of my favorites for that very reason. Thank you so much. She says, my question is related to relationships and I guess more specifically your opinion on dating potential in a couple of different respects. Firstly, the guy I am dating says he is a Christian, but his actions don't speak to that. He has no outward signs of being a Christian, and he doesn't like talking about religion because he says it always leads to people getting angry and disagreeing. He thinks religion should be kept to yourself. I disagree and think your faith should be able to be seen in the way you live and is a huge part of our lives as Christians, but that is for another discussion. I just want to say, I definitely agree with you. She says, secondly, he is 27 and doesn't show a lot of signs of maturity. After work, he either plays video games or watches TV till bedtime. He doesn't really care about taking care of himself and not to say he is obese or unhealthy, but he just doesn't exercise or enjoy doing things outdoors or do any kind of self-improvement. He is just kind of chugging along in life. Most of the things he has in his life were given to him by his parents or he was given a leg up by friends. He is a good guy though and he is kind to me and treats me well. What is your opinion on continuing because I see potential in him? Or are we too old to still be in that stage? I'm 25 and he is 27. P.S. Your new puppy cash is adorable. Y'all are so sweet. Ending all these emails with little cash notes. Okay, I want to say, I think in a relationship when a guy is nice and treats you well, but there are all these red flags, a lot of times you think these red flags are just you being kind of annoyed by small things that aren't really a big deal because he's nice. But I will never forget, I had this coworker when I worked at my old marketing agency and she was asking me like what I look for in a guy or something. We were talking about her dating life and I was like, oh, you know, just someone who's really nice. And she looked at me and she said, Michelle, 
we don't just date guys because they're nice. And that always stuck with me because nice guys are great, but you need to hold to your standards. And obviously, I'm not going to tell you if this guy is not worth pursuing, but I do think it's worth having conversations about these things. I especially think the faith thing is really important. I don't think you need to be dating someone or getting married to someone who shares similarities in every single aspect of your faith because your faith is your own and there are going to be things that are different. Maybe someone is more charismatic than the other. Maybe someone prefers to read their Bible more than the other. But I think it is really important that you're with someone who does share the same amount of expression of faith, even if that's in different forms. But just not wanting to talk about religion I definitely think is a red flag. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that says they will know you by your works when you're a disciple of God, and those works should show who you're serving and who your Lord is. And I think it's worth having a conversation with him and just kind of asking about that. Because again, you are older too. It's not like this is high school or something. And I think those red flags are definitely worth just talking about. The Active one is definitely really hard. I think when you're someone who prefers working out and just living an active lifestyle, when you're with someone who doesn't share that, that is really hard. And that's something people don't really talk about. But I can just say when you're living with someone who isn't really active, it does kind of take a toll on you. So you want to make sure you are doing things together that are still fun, but are promoting an active lifestyle. Because I know for me, if I don't work out, if I don't go for walks and do those things, I am such a crabby person and I am not myself. When I have that morning run, oh my gosh, the rest of my day is better. That and reading my Bible, rest of the day is great. But yeah, I would definitely see if there are other people in your life too that you personally know that you can talk to about this and have some accountability and just see because you can never get into a relationship and think that you're going to change someone, especially when it comes to faith. There are other things that, yeah, you can wait for them to improve on if you do see potential, but you don't just want to be dating someone always waiting for them to be the person that you want to be dating because it's going to take a lot of time. And it's also not fair to that person to have all those expectations that are constantly not being met when they are just not that person. So that's my advice. I feel like that's not the warmest advice in the world, but I just know from personal experience and especially just my friends dating people that that is what they've told me. So I really hope that it works out for the best though. What's the advice you'd give to someone who feels they are so behind in life? I want to say, I'm about to read it, but I think that a lot of people think they're alone in this. And this is a question that I get so much whenever I do these podcast episodes. I just want to say you're not alone, but it says, I'm 26 with no college degree. I don't have a career. I'm in debt. I don't have a relationship or husband, and I don't have my own place. The list could go on and on. Main thing is wanting to be financially secure. That is the thing that causes me the most stress and anxiety. So this is really hard because there are a lot of different realms that you're talking about. But one, I would just say, imagine where you want to be in life. And I obviously know that everyone is coming from different positions in life. We all don't start at the same place. And so it's very condescending to just say, you know, work hard at it and you'll get it because that is just not reality for a lot of people. So I don't know the exact situation that you are in, but I personally know that financial freedom is a very good place to be in. And I'm not talking about having a ton of money. I'm just saying not being indebted to certain situations and not feeling like you have that burden on you. When you 
pay off that debt, I imagine that you will feel a lot more free in other realms of your life to maybe work at getting your own place and work at getting a job and all that stuff. And so I think addressing the debt and the career thing is probably the best place to start at. And I would just say, try to think of things that you like to do. Where would you like to be in five years? And how can you make a small step today to get there? When you think about all these things, like I don't have this and this and this and this, the problem seems really daunting. But when you can focus on one thing to get out of there, it can help a lot. For me, I went through a really rough patch in November, December, and not January, just November and December. And there were so many realms of my life that I just felt were really out of control. And I felt like I couldn't control my emotions and my thought patterns. And I picked one thing to focus on. I said, you know, these things aren't going great. These things aren't going great. But if I can just fix one of these things, I will start having the motivation to fix the other things too. And for me, that was working out. I started running a lot more and I started getting faster at my runs. A very simple thing. But for me, having that morning where I ran three miles and I did it at 6.8 miles per hour, something I had never done before, I felt so accomplished. And for the rest of my day, I wasn't thinking about how I was comparing myself to other people. I wasn't thinking about how my work wasn't growing. I wasn't thinking about how I didn't feel like I had as many friends as I should have. I was just thinking, okay, I got that run in. I did that. So what can I do next? And so... I know that Dave Ramsey is not for everyone. I just want to say that not everyone likes his advice. I think if you're in debt, he has really great advice, but I will say it's not this sugar-coated approach to paying off debt. I only share him because he helped my parents with finances and he also helped my sister. My sister and her husband, they started his Financial Peace University, which is helping you pay off your debt. She essentially started her photography business to A, be able to stay home with her son and B, help pay off this debt that they had. And she started her business. She felt so empowered working her job while also getting to stay home with her son. She now does it with her husband as well. They do wedding photography together. She's great. I'll have her linked in the description if you want to check her out if you need some photography. But I say that because Dave Ramsey is all about paying off your debt in like this snowball method and it's really helpful. But I do know not everyone likes his approach. He's very anti-credit cards which not a lot of people like, and that's fine. I'm not anti-credit cards, but he's speaking to people who are feeling like credit cards are a temptation and that they can't use them in the wisest way possible. So he's trying to break that habit. So I just say this because I know not everyone likes him, so I just want to put that out there. But I do think he helped my parents and my sister if you're looking to pay off debt. But yeah, finding that and then finding something that you enjoy doing as a career is so motivating. It feels so good when you like your job. Not everyone likes your job. I don't like every aspect of my job. I do realize I have a job that is amazing and I never want to complain about because it is phenomenal. But try to find something where you like part of it. You don't have to like all of it, but you like some of it and try to work closer at that or try to work on fitness. I think that when you start working on all these realms of your own life in terms of your own passions that you enjoy, your own financial freedom, your own XYZ, a lot of times a relationship will follow after that because you're just so in love with the person that you're becoming and so in love with pursuing these things that God has put in your life and that 
sometimes you will find someone who you're not even searching for, but they are drawn to that. So that's my biggest advice. I know that's a tough spot to be in though. So I just really, really pray that you find something that gives you the motivation and drive in your own life. So this one says, I've never been one to have a ton of friends, always kept my circle pretty small, but as I've gotten older and possibly more self-aware, I've come to realize how much I really struggle making and keeping female friends. This may be attributed to the fact that I don't have any sisters and I had a pretty unconventional childhood. I was homeschooled all my life. Eek, I know. Oh, that is not eek. I totally love people who were homeschooled. I was homeschooled in kindergarten, so I just want to say. And played soccer competitively all throughout high school and even a few years in college. This was when I had the most of my girlfriends as we had so much in common as teammates, but now that I'm almost two years post-grad, we're all spread out over all the country and a lot of those friendships have naturally run their course. I've always had a good group of guy friends that I met through my college job, literally have never had such loving, sensitive, and caring friendships in my life before, but there's still this huge piece of me that is always aching for more female friendships and female energy in my life. Any advice for making and growing close female friendships would be so appreciated. Oh yeah, this one is hard. I so relate to this question. I think there is there is one, it's hard seeing a lot of other people especially on social media who have kind of like a girlfriend group or they're just hanging out with their girlfriends. I've never had a huge friend group unless I was in high school and I had a lot of friends on my dance team that were girls. And so I really, you know, vibed with them. But as I got older, it is so hard to meet female friends, especially after college. I feel like I hang out with Aiden, my dog now, and my family, and occasionally I'll see a friend every week or so. It's just hard. It's really hard to make friends, and this is a question that I'm like trying to find the answer to, but I want to say that it's okay if you don't have a huge friend group. I've never had a huge friend group especially after college, I think that's completely normal. I'm sure a lot of people are listening right now like, oh my gosh, I only have a few close friends. And you're always felt like you are lonely if you are that way, or if you're drawn to just having a few close friends. But when you're actually longing for that, you can definitely try to meet people. I mean, for me, I'm a Christian, so, and I go to church and I would like to say that church is a great way to meet friends, but I know right now it's hard to meet friends at church because a lot of churches aren't even open, or if they are, you're wearing a mask, it's hard to meet people. This is going to sound weird, and I don't know if this is normal for other people, but a lot of times, a lot of the friends I meet are people that I know through Instagram, and I've met a lot of people just by meeting up with them, like a lot of different YouTubers. I hang out with my friend Kenzie, who lives here in Dallas. I see her like pretty regularly. I also saw Natalie Barbu was in town the past weekend, and I hung out with her and I also met Kelly Stamps, who's a YouTuber. If you guys know her, she was here. So I met her and then Natalie's working with a girl who owns a coffee shop here. And I met her through Natalie. And now I definitely want to go back to the coffee shop and hang out with her too. So I think it's a lot easier to meet people when you are meeting friends of friends. And I love when I'm friends with someone and they are like, hey, can so-and-so come too? And you get to meet them too and meet someone else. Because now I talk to these people like, regularly on Instagram we go back and forth and it's just really refreshing getting to meet people through friends because usually a friend of a friend is similar in some sorts to your friend and so likely you're going to vibe and so I would say maybe try to get some of your friends to hang out with one another and try to kind of form some bigger groups and try to make friends of friends 
and just inviting. I think for me, sometimes I feel really lonely, but then I realize I haven't even invited anyone over. I haven't even reached out to anyone. So sometimes putting yourself out there, even if it's someone you don't know super well, maybe you've only hung out one time at being like, hey, do you want to come over and watch a movie and eat pizza or something? Really simple. It doesn't have to be a big deal. And then maybe gradually start inviting more friends over. I think that's a good way to try to meet some new people and maybe just expand your friend group. This one says, firstly, I just want to say I love your podcast and your videos. I was wondering in your podcast if you could talk about the mixed fear and excitement you felt leaving college and how you dealt with it. I know you talked about it a bit when you were going through it, but I'm going through it at the moment and going into a market during COVID. It is nerve wracking and I really appreciate your take and advice on it. Oh my gosh, my biggest tip. Okay, it's so nerve-wracking because college makes it seem so nerve-wracking. You come out of this phase where you're in scheduled classes, you are only friends with the people that you're going to college with, and it's just all regimented, and then you just get let out into the real world, and there are no rules. There are no set schedules. You get to do literally whatever you want, but you also have to make a life for yourself, and it just feels like so much pressure, but let me just tell you, it is so fun. It is nerve-wracking. It's scary, especially when you don't have a job and you feel like, what the heck am I going to do? And obviously during COVID, it adds a whole nother layer onto it that I totally sympathize with. Is really hard. My brother's actually trying to find a job right now. He has done so many interviews and it is tough. It's so hard. But my biggest tip is you are young right now when you're coming out of college. You You still have that naive energy to you and don't lose that. The world is going to tell you that you shouldn't have that. It's going to tell you that life's hard and you are never going to succeed and you're going to be in a job where you feel like you are making so many mistakes at your job. Don't believe the lies that the world tells you and just throw yourself into it. Keep that sense of naive innocence and just run with it and know that you're probably what 22 23 24 maybe even 21 you are so young and there's no pressure to have it all figured out there's only the pressure of having to make money and make a life for yourself but you get to choose how you do that and you can't compare yourself to your friends I think a lot of the anxiety that I had was because I saw my friends around me getting these really quote, great jobs that I felt like, oh my gosh, I need to get a quote, great job too. And there's just a lot of pressure, but there is seriously no need to build that up. You get to choose what you want and there's so much freedom. And personally, aside from the fact that it's a little bit harder to make friends, I love post-grad life so much more. I had a really weird college experience, so I was so ready to be out. And that first year that I was out of college was the best. It was so much fun because I just felt like I was young. I was ready to just start and fail at things and try things out and meet new people. And it was the best. So I would just say, throw yourself into it. Do so many interviews to the point where you feel like a crazy person because you're doing so many interviews. Reach out to people. Try to network. Try to reach out to friends of friends. A lot of times it's a lot easier to get jobs when it's through someone that you know. And make it happen and just be positive about it and try to make the most of it. Obviously, COVID absolutely stinks and it makes it so much harder. But just think if you can get a job during the COVID market, once COVID is over, you are going to be so well equipped to be able to get promoted and just make things happen. Sometimes I find myself feeling guilty for wanting new things such as clothes or doing things for myself like getting my nails or hair done. I know it may be a little silly and God does not want us to just be happy, but sometimes I can't get out of the feeling like I'm just craving worldly things. 
I wanted to actually DM you this question to see if you could do a YouTube video about it, but I love your podcast as well. I just find myself scrolling through clothing websites and wanting everything, and then I'm just like, why do I want all this? I don't really buy a lot, but it's just more of the thoughts. I'd love to hear some advice about this. Oh, I was just... Again, I was watching my friend Cayenne's videos, which I'm talking about Cayenne Tilton. If you know her, she's great. If you want a Christian YouTuber to watch, love her. Has a heart of gold, very honest, very candid. She's great. But she was talking about how she was reading. I think it's the ruthless elimination of hurry. And she felt very convicted in terms of materialism and not wanting to just shove a lot of stuff on her audience and not wanting to promote a lot of consumerism. You need this, you need this, and it'll make you happy. And I think it's hard because as a YouTuber, it is a way to make money in terms of doing brand deals. And it's either like you have to do brand deals or you can start a Patreon. But I don't think a lot of people want to pay $5 a month to watch videos of just a normal person. So there is a balance. But as a consumer, I have felt convicted that I went through a phase of just really linking a lot of clothes. And I usually link stuff because people ask where it's from. And I feel like, okay, I'm going to link this because people ask. But I do know that when I see a lot of that, I want to buy stuff. And now that we have this dog, I can say that I have no desire to buy clothes right now or to buy things. I literally just want to buy my dog stuff, which is just a new form of materialism. I'm like, okay, he does not need every single chew toy in the world. But I think just eliminating yourself from the problem and maybe try to replace those times that you spend scrolling looking for clothes with time with family, time with friends, time with reading, focusing on things that are making you a better person. But I do want to say I don't think wanting clothes is the worst thing in the world. Obviously, we are not called to be so focused on the way that we look and to find our happiness through things. But I went through a phase where I felt really guilty when I wanted to get my nails done. I just kind of realized that I don't have an obsession with getting my nails done. It's just something that I like to do that I think is nice, but it's not really hurting anyone. I'm not obsessed with it. I don't do it all the time, but as a treat, I don't think God is frowning on me for getting my nails done. So don't put too much thought into it, especially because you said you don't actually buy a lot of stuff. It's just the thought and the longing for it. Maybe you just question, why do I want these clothes? Is it because I want to look like someone? Is it because I feel discontent with the clothes that I have? Or is it because you literally need new clothes because your clothes are really old and they don't fit anymore or something? Just question why you are wanting the things that you want. And if it's not a pure reason, then try to focus on something else. But I know that's really hard. I will literally mute people on Instagram who are doing a lot of promoting things. It's not even ads. It's just linking a lot of stuff all the time. I do link stuff when I like something, but when it's every single day trying to sell 10 products, I just get really overwhelmed. So I usually try to kind of mute those people. So maybe just try to kind of eliminate the distractions and just know that if you're surrounding yourself with a lot of stuff, it's never going to make you happy. You can look at the person who has the most money in the world, who has the most gadgets, the nicest house, the nicest cars, and they're still probably very discontent with their life in some way. Oftentimes more discontent. Okay, this one says, first off, I want to say I love watching your YouTube videos and listening to your podcast because I can totally relate to you. I am 24 and I got married to my college sweetheart when I was 22. When I got engaged at 21, my family, mostly my aunts, my parents were super supportive, thought I was too young and thought we were getting married too soon. 
backstory, they strongly believe in independent women and are all divorced and have a negative view on marriage. This has always got this has always struck a nerve with me because I got judged by the people that I love. Now that my husband and I have been married for two and a half years, we feel like at this time in our lives, we are ready to start a family. And I am super excited. But in the back of my mind, I can't help but think what my family will think about me getting pregnant at 24, which is considered young to them. How do I stop caring what my family will think about me? Oh, this one is tough. I get a lot of questions about getting married young and receiving backlash, but not really starting a family young. Luckily, you said your parents are supportive. I honestly think if you have your parents' support... That is really the main thing that you need. I know it's annoying when you're around other family who's making snide comments or judging in any way. It's hard because all I want to say is, you know, it doesn't matter what they think. If you feel ready, you've been married to your husband for two and a half years, even if you've been married for six months and you feel like you're ready, that is your decision to make. And if you are able to get pregnant and God blesses you in that way, I think that's all the more of the reason to believe that this was meant to be. I think a lot of times with family stuff, when you're starting a family, people are often worried that the dynamic is going to change when you're bringing in a new kid and feeling like it's going to be the new thing, especially if you're the only one in your family who's had kids yet. I imagine that's, you know, hard being that first person. I luckily am in a family who loves kids so much and we get so excited when people are having kids and I imagine it's so hard being in a family where you don't feel that same sense of just like welcoming around that. But honestly, I don't think you need to cut them out of your life too, but just spend less time with them if you can. It's probably hard because they are family, but you don't need to be around someone who is constantly provoking you in that way and not being supportive of your decisions, especially when it's a good decision. Like if you're getting on to someone because they're starting a family when they feel comfortable starting a family, that's on you. Obviously, they have a different view of marriage because of their own experience. So I definitely have empathy for that. I imagine there might be some jealousy too, seeing someone who feels like they're in a loving relationship and now feels ready to start a family. A lot of times the bitterness does come from jealousy. So I'm assuming it's probably a lot of that. And it's not personal. That's the biggest thing you have to know. It's not personal. It's not actually about you. I talked about this in my gossiping episode, but nine times out of 10, honestly, 9.9 times out of 10, when someone is inflicting that onto you and making judgments about you, it is mostly because they're insecure in some way about themselves. Hurt people hurt people. It's so true. I know when I lash out at someone, it's because I am feeling insecure in some way. And so just know that and know it's not about you, even though they may be seeming like it is all about you. This one says, hi, Michelle, I hope you're doing well. I will try to keep this short, but it is quite a meaningful question. In the last year or two, I can't help but feel like I have received so many signs hinting for me to follow God and find out more about Jesus. Your content has been an influence of this along with other content I have been drawn to, the people I have been meeting in real life, and a few incredibly moving moments where I'm convinced I felt the presence of God. But here's the thing. I grew up completely agnostic, borderline atheist, so I really know nothing about Jesus or the Word of God, which is where my question comes. What should I do next? I know this is a feeling I need to follow, but the idea of diving in and reading the whole Bible feels totally overwhelming for someone that has never read so much as a passage from it. I'm sure I'm not the only person who you have had this influence on. Thank you, by the way. So I'm wondering if you can recommend any places to start, maybe your favorite stories from the Bible, and how to begin this journey. I am really inspired by the way you live your life according to your faith, so I'd love to hear any words of advice on this. Oh, 
this question, every time I receive something like this, makes my heart so happy because this is honestly, but at the end of the day, this is what I feel my purpose is online. Like, I don't want to make my content overly faith based in terms of only Christians feel comfortable listening to it. But as a Christian, sharing the messages that I've learned from God and from the Bible and hearing something like this warms my heart. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart for telling me this because it always gives me encouragement that God is doing something right through me. And I know it's not me, but it's him. I know it can be so daunting to just open your Bible and start reading. And especially when you don't really know what you're reading, there's so much context to the Bible that's needed to listen and learn from. And so I totally understand that's overwhelming. I even to this day, I've been a Christian since I was eight years old. And I feel very intimidating sometimes by the Bible because it can be really daunting when you don't know what words mean. A lot of things aren't necessarily meant to be taken literally. And so you might read it and think, what in the world is this gibberish? And so my biggest tips, I did an episode all about my faith. It sounds like you may have listened to it if you were sending this. But I did share at the end of that episode more about kind of getting into Christianity, getting into your faith learning more about God, all that stuff. But I think when you're actually reading the Bible, the biggest tips that I would have is to start in the book of John. John is a really good place to start because there are a lot of stories about who Jesus is, Jesus and his disciples, what he's about, and all the different parables of the Bible. I think another good place to start is the Sermon of the Mount. I actually just went ahead and looked this up because I wanted to give you really good advice that you could actually walk away with and go with. And so this is from gotquestions.org, which is one of my favorite resources. If you ever have questions about the Bible, Christianity, just a very reliable source. But someone asked, where is a good place to start reading the Bible? And it says, for starters, it is important to realize that the Bible is not an ordinary book that reads smoothly from cover to cover. It is actually a library or collection of books written by different authors in several languages over 1500 years. Martin Luther said that the Bible is the cradle of Christ because all biblical history and prophecy ultimately points to Jesus. Therefore, any first reading of the Bible should probably begin with the Gospels. The Gospel of Mark is quick and fast-paced and is a good place to start. Then you might want to go on to the Gospel of John, which focuses on the things Jesus claimed about himself. Mark tells about what Jesus did, while John tells about what Jesus said and who Jesus was. In John are some of the simplest and clearest passages, but also some of the deepest and most profound passages. Reading the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John will familiarize you with Christ's life and ministry. After that, read through some of the epistles, Ephesians, Philippians, 1 John. These books teach us how to live our lives in a way that is honoring to God. When you start reading the Old Testament, read the book of Genesis. It tells us how God created the world and how mankind fell into sin, as well as the impact that fall had on the world. There's a lot more too that he says, but I think those are great places to start. I also really like Timothy Keller's books. He has one called The Reason for God. And he also has one called, he has a book called The Reason for God. And I think that's a really great resource. I know it's not for everyone, but I really like that. And if you're looking for a daily devotional to read, one of my favorites is New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp. So many Christians read that one. It's definitely a little bit deeper, but I still think it's a good place to start because it has a passage to it. And then it also has... It has a devotional, which is just kind of talking about something to focus on for the day, something to think about, something to pray about. And then it also has 
some scriptures at the bottom that you can go to and read about those specific things. So maybe it's a devotional about love, and then it has some verses linked or some verses listed that you can go read about love in the Bible. And it's good because I don't think you should just open your Bible, flip to a random page, and start reading. I know that's how a lot of people start, and sometimes when I was kind of in the beginning of reading the Bible, I would be like, God, tell me what to read. Then I'd flip over into a random page. And it's like, okay, maybe sometimes he's going to put you on the path to reading exactly what you need to hear, but not all the time. So that would be my biggest tip. I'm so happy that you sent me that. And I'm also so happy for you. Those beginning stages of kind of learning about Christianity are so special and so just eye-opening and such kind of like a vulnerable time. So I really think that it can be a really great spot for you. So that is everything that I'm going to say for this episode. Like last week's episode, I can't actually see how long this is right now. So I am hoping that this is long enough, but I believe it is. I think I talked for around 40 minutes, which is what I try to keep these at. So thank you guys so much for listening. I also want to ask if you guys have any guests that you would prefer for me to have on the podcast. I've had quite a few solo episodes. I'm looking to have some new guests on. Would you guys like me to interview other influencers or content creators? Or is there a specific person outside of that realm you'd like to hear from? Someone in my family, someone in my life? Feel free to DM me. I have been really slow at reading my DM requests on Instagram just because of the dog. And so it's been a little bit tricky, but you can just DM me at Michelle Reed. I think this week I'm going to be a little bit better at it. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Feel free to leave a review if you enjoyed it. Feel free to let me know what you think. That really helps my podcast if you do leave a review. So it's much, much appreciated. And also just turning on the notifications and listening when it comes out. It all means a lot to me. And I'm so thankful for you guys from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for letting me do this podcast. Thank you for sharing my podcast, seeing you guys tag me in stories. I say this in every episode because it's so true. Makes my day. I love waking up and seeing you guys listening, especially on Mondays. It's so special for me. And I just feel a very special connection to everyone who listens to this podcast. And oh my gosh, this is another thing. I'm about to end this, I promise. I opened a P.O. box and I didn't think anyone would send anything. I didn't even get it to receive stuff. It was for another reason. I just decided to share it in case. Reading letters from people and receiving literal packages from people, I can't even explain how much it warmed my heart. I opened it up in my vlog going up on Tuesday and you'll just see I was so happy. Someone set cash a bandana, which was so sweet and I'm just so thankful for you guys. I have just such kind, sweet, supportive viewers and I'm so thankful for you guys. So thank you guys so much. I love you guys and I hope you guys have a great week. Bye friends.